0: You're listening to... Whoa! hot luck, And hey, welcome back to the Good Pop Culture Club. It is episode 74 for Thursday, September the 23rd, 2021. My name is Marvin Yue, and joining me to talk about all the good pop that gets us through our days, we have, as always, self-proclaimed professional Asian-American Jess Jew.
1: I would like to not be this month um, or maybe for the rest of the year. Maybe, maybe, for maybe I need a, what's it, a sabbatical. Is that the white fancy word for when you say you don't do your job, but you still got it.
0: Yeah. Sabbatical <laughs> is like, I've been doing my job for 10 years and now I'm going to take a month off because I think,
1: I think, you know how like women and like people of color get like paid less compared to like white people. I think we should also bring that energy into like sabbatical timelines. Like, <laughs> working as an Asian or person or, like, a person of color, like, you require less time of active work to to qualify <laughs> for a sabbatical.
0: I know. Out of the three of us, Jess is probably the only actual professional Asian American who <laughs> is in charge of Asian American stuff. I used to be. I left that world to, like, do my own thing. No,
1: Amen. I don't. I don't. I'm not in charge of shit. I can't. No, no. <laughs>
0: also joining us, professional culture editor, Han Nguyen. Hey, hey. You get to um, you get to not just be Asian American in your day to day.
2: Yeah, uh, it's it, it, you're right, and and I feel like if I were just Asian American, then I don't think our readership would be as high as it <laughs> as it was because Asian American stuff people don't care about usually. Um, it's it's I have to be strategic. About which Asian American stories I put forward, I don't necessarily call them Asian American stories. You know, uh, you just cover Shang-Chi and you don't say this is an Amer- American Asian. I mean, it's American- the
0: latest MCU yeah. film. That's how you, right? Pitch it.
2: You, you, you that's kind of like everything. It's kind of like if you want to discuss it in the story, it's Asianness. That's fine, um, but it's kind of like. I found that anytime I use the words Asian or Asian American, the people fucking didn't care. And I was just like, This is a story about martial arts. You should care. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, I it just it's the labels, it's ridiculous, but yeah, it's it's just kind of figuring out like what how to package things in a way and make them eat their spinach. Um, but <laughs> just, and care. Just package it as um, you know,
1: new, new fusion, healthy, learned from the best practitioners in New Mexico, authentic
2: Chinese-Asian culture, and then, you know, everyone will eat it up. Right. Or cover it in cheese, even though many of us are uh, lactose intolerant. I and, got uh, lactate <laughs> on
1: me. That's also a little, <laughs> did you know, that's a requirement of being a professional Asian. I, I have, right. I have right.
2: lactate on me at all times. I've been uh, building up
0: my cheese tolerance with my cheese consumption. It's that's hilarious.
2: Good. Just like at the Princess Bride. <laughs> you know, just eat a little cheese every day. You'll be able to uh, ha- take it in a challenge in no time. Um, I, I, I will... I yeah. will
1: say there was this event Marvin and I went to that we were um somewhat organizing, but uh we were not taking care of the catering part. Our lovely, very generous hosts were, but um very ironically they this was and this was a pretty explicitly like Asian event. <coughs> and ironically, they uh chose to cater fondue, cheese fondue. <laughs> it was fucking delicious. I'll give them that. But uh, I remember very distinctly just us looking at each other and be like, mm, they didn't they didn't think this through,
2: did they? I, I it's not were- even like food that had cheese sort of peripherally on it, like Mexican. No, but no, it was like fondue, like it's legit ho- fondue. That is hilarious. I thought you
0: were going to talk about that event we did when they did the whole like table long cheese spread for the Asian event.
1: Yes, but I will say like I think a, like a charcuterie board with like fruit
2: and sure. nuts there and are other like, things
1: th- th- and, and, and cheese makes sense in the context of that. So you can, you know, eat around it if you can't ha- if you personally can handle it. But like when the main event is like a fondue, which is like, <laughs> oh, if we're not dipping in it, cheese, we're really just getting slices of Untoasted bread and apples? Um, yeah. That's a little maybe <laughs>
2: egregious. Uh, uh, that's classic. I'm cult- going to have to work that into a story.
0: <laughs> Cultural sensitivity. It's it's a thing.
2: Mm-hmm. I did want to note that this is my last week for press tour until at least January.
1: Congratulations. Yeah.
2: And today was a very good day. It was HBO slash HBO Max Day. And one of the... N- things i was the most excited about i saw the first episode and it's very good so i'm very excited it's the um adaptation of uh station 11 which is uh if you are not familiar emily uh saint mandel wrote this book about a flu pandemic that obliterates most of the world in in hours slash days and it so you then walk through a a post-apocalyptic Uh, hellscape going back and forth in time Um, but one of the main characters in the book itself was a a character named um, what's his name anyway it's played by uh, Himesh uh, Patel who was the um, yesterday guy yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, but it's but it's such a great role. It's 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 a great book. It's super acclaimed, and I just the things they've done with it, I think, are fantastic. So I'm looking forward to watching the rest of it. Anyway, so that was just my sort of plug. There's something good Asian American uh, character coming for the The future, and then Tia, Tia Sierkar plays like his sister. Oh, um, nice! Yeah, yeah. And so he, his brothers, also in there. So it's not he's not the only Asian. Um, and there are also you know a few others. They, they, oh, buried the lead. Gal G- Garcia Bernal. Um, <laughs> oh,
1: oh, oh my god! <laughs> yeah, oh my god! Them, him, and
2: uh, yeah, he, he, and the Cash Patel. Yeah, it's interesting because <laughs> he plays a character that in the book the character was much older and a, a white Canadian, but it didn't matter because he's basically supposed to be a hot actor. Um, so, oh, they yeah. it, mm-hmm. so they did So they a good job there. Um, oh my God. Wow. But yeah. what,
1: a, what a hot, what a hot, mm. this, that cast is giving, um, I don't know if you guys saw the trailer for Olivia Wilde's film. It dropped a few oh, days yeah. or like a week ago for uh, Don't Worry Darling, which is like mm-hmm. Florence Pugh, mm. Harry Styles, Gemma Whew. Chan's in it. Yeah, oh yeah. That I was, was like, that's a really hot cast. Uh, remi- but this might, this might be. I, mm, that's that's hot. Mm, mm, that's hard. Twitter
0: yeah. is gonna get thirsty. Twitter is drinking good. Yeah, yeah. I
1: think if we're only going for like the the men, I I'm I mean I love. Oh no, but don't worry, darling. Also has Chris Pine. Uh, uh, oh oh. <laughs> mm, but no, Guy Allen Nakesh.
2: Well, here's the thing. Mm. Not Nakesh. It's uh, Himesh. Oh Hamish oh from yesterday oh from yesterday yeah he has a very good beard um and his character's name is jivan chowdhury um and he's actually the first character we meet in the book too so he is the entry point for the book and the series um and i'm i I was just super happy about it so um and so far it looks great um but -hmm. anyway press tour bonus highlights uh look for it by winter
0: congratulations no that's hbo you said
2: Yeah, uh, HBO Max, I believe. So, uh, and it'll be a 10 part miniseries. So, read the book also. I think it's very good.
0: I need to get back on HBO Max. It just, um, HBO just dropped uh, its support for Amazon. Uh, yeah. So I my subscription got canceled. So I just basically I just need to get paid them directly and not go through Amazon, which probably I should have been doing. Y'all, yeah, we
1: gotta binge while we can because <laughs> you know if IATSE goes on strike, we're gonna have mm-hmm. to cancel everything. And you know I I don't I'm not a scab. I'm not crossing picket lines. Proud union family. You mm-hmm. know. Uh, so I'm like okay, watch everything you gotta.
2: <laughs> yep. Get it in while you can.
0: Yeah. All right, speaking of watching everything while we can, this week we watched some Nick Cage. And we watched his latest <laughs> film, Prisoners of the Ghost Land, um, and we have thoughts. Um, but before we get to those thoughts, let's find out what pop culture has been getting us through the week. Han, what's popping besides TCA ending?
2: Oh, this is very exciting. I can't, uh, I think, Jess, you need to read this because also uh, Great British Bake Off is coming back to Netflix on Friday. Um, But this will be sort of like an amuse-bouche or, you know, a companion piece to it. Um, There's this British writer who I've been following um, who I like quite a bit named Alexis Hall. He is a genderqueer author who in the past had written a lot more gay, somewhat graphic books, um, which has a a devoted following. But he also... more recently switched to kissing books, which is lighter. Um they're more um rom com y and uh I I very much like The Boyfriend Material is probably one of my favorite rom-com books in the past year or two. Um, And he has a sequel coming called Husband Material. And so that one is actually gay. But this one is queer in that um, it stars. uh, So the name of the book is Rosaline Palmer Takes the Cake. And um, its uh, protagonist is a 27-year-old bisexual single mom. Um, She enters basically what is Great British Bake Off. It's Mm -hmm. not called that. Maybe it's be- t- spectacular. I can't remember, um, and but the story is structured exactly like Bake Off as far as there is a uh very funny host who has uh who makes innuendos there are two judges one of them who very much likes alcohol in her bakes um the uh every week is structured around a certain thing like bread week patisserie whatever and then there are two challenges i mean it's all structured the same and they go and and alexis goes deep into talking about the bakes um oh yeah those yeah. hot hot bakes yeah and, and 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 what's interesting is like in a previous book of his I had read like he had talked about a fish sandwich that the description alone was like this guy's a good writer and so and he also has described like baking so I think he actually knows of what he speaks so when he w- writes these challenges they they're very authentic um, and uh, and it, it's also just genuinely super funny um, but so the deal is uh, she two there are two contestants one that she immediately starts sort of dating called elaine uh, allen i don't know there's an extra i in there um and he he's if that's, you can
0: alan right
1: that's still i, I guess, don't know
2: brits man you never know it's they probably pres- yeah it's probably alan he's an he's an architect and so as you might expect with the spelling of his name and it being an architect he's kind of snooty uh snob and um and this is what i is what i really loved is that she also comes from a fairly um elite sort of group her both of her parents are doctors she was studying to be a doctor before she became a single mom um and dropped out of university and so her parents are highly disappointed in her um and so there's also this talk about like well your kid's older now you can go back to school and she's like well i like baking um so uh but she's also torn between another guy who is an electrician he's cockney he's he doesn't seem to be like the the most evolved person but he's super nice and um and she's starting to get into him um and he's also super hot so uh right i've been let's see i think about 70 percent in and it's just Very, very funny and sweet. Um, It gives you all the bake-off stuff you want uh, with romance on top of it. And what I also like is this looks to be book one. Uh, So I'm very excited to get more of this uh, bake-off magic. And and because he's British, everything seems very authentic uh, dialogue-wise and humor-wise. So highly recommend it. Rosaline Palmer Takes the Cake by Alexis Hall. So that is me. What's popping to you, Jess? I've been really busy on the move.
1: I had a family wedding this weekend, so a lot of traveling and not a lot of time to sit. But I did listen to a lot of music, which I've not done since I stopped commuting for like two hours a day. And of course, Casey Musgrave's album, uh, Star Cross, came out recently. And it follows up her very successful, both commercially, critically, won, I think, the Grammys, Golden Hour. And who is this a diametric opposite. So for those of you who are not aware, Casey Musgraves is a country artist, but definitely more in like that modern country borderline pop. She's a singer songwriter, writes all her own stuff. And Golden Hour, that very, very popular, what successful album was um, about falling in love with her husband and essentially this new album star cross is about the divorce oh my god <laughs> it's yes great. it is about the same man and you're just kind of like wow like well love isn't real cool because golden hour is beautiful it's a beautiful album about falling in love and every song is you know pretty much hits um it's you can tell it. It's kind of like Teenage Dream. If you've ever listened through Katy Perry's like Teenage Dream album, she wrote that while she was falling in love with uh, Russell Brand of all people. Hmm. Or, you know, this is this is much more in the vein of the Adele "I Just Got Dumped" album or "Someone Dumped Me" album. Um, there have been some blind items about you know him not being the best dude. And maybe some political differences, aka he was a Trump supporter or something like that. I mean, this is all like I have no evidence. This is just like crazy stories I'm making up in my head, but the album is great. Um, uh, man, love a very sad that she's going through this personally. Let me put that out there. But love a scorned woman album. Love a scorned woman album.
2: Yeah, I do have to say that pain and well sometimes drugs is what makes (laughs) some good music sometimes so i know it's so uh, sad because again
1: like you don't want these people to suffer but like oh like you oh girl you feel it you feel it in the in the in the songs uh one of the most popular songs off this album is called breadwinner which is now a very viral tiktok sound hmm and the lyrics go, uh, he he wants a breadwinner. He wants to eat your dinner until there's nothing left. It's like, mm, oh, Casey. Casey, are you okay? And, you know, as a woman who has dealt with shitty cisgendered straight men and was dated, mm. um, like, I think we all get it. Mm. We all get it. <laughs> um, and, you know, her ex-husband was also a is also a... Much less successful music artist.
2: Oh, that's mm-hmm. rough for him.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, but fuck that guy, right? Like, if oh, you of course. can't support your partner when they're like, like
2: look, yeah, yeah. Well, the <laughs> it, 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 celebrities dating each other, I always find interesting, especially when you don't even know who he is. But um, so it always is a mark. I give people marks when the guy isn't as well known, and he stands by her and he supports her, um, and because you know what, he can still reap the benefits. But you know, it it, to a certain extent, like you know, Keith Urban, I know, is definitely popular, but still, Nicole Kidman is probably stratosphere. Um, (laughs) And so, I I think about that. I I remember when Ryan Phillippe and Reese Witherspoon were together. (laughs) Well, that's the thing; it's like they have something called the Oscar curse,
1: right? Like the actress who wins best best support best lead role, like ends up divorced from their spouse. Um, I think it's. I, I don't know if this applies to non-hetero couples, but uh, definitely in hetero couples and then mm. um, I think it's also different because I think if you're both in the same industry, that's when it's mm. a lot more like pronounced, right? Like yeah. I, I mean, there's a lot of famous women who have very long-term relationships and seem very happy with their partners or spouses, but like their spouse is like a cameraman or their spouse is like an accountant. Scenes. Yeah. Or, you know, like totally unrelated, but like two actors doing the same thing, two musicians writing the same kind of music, to whatever, like it can get tough. Yeah. Um Yeah.
0: That's what I'm glad that my partner has nothing to do with media or entertainment. Mm-hmm.
1: Oh right. It's great. <laughs> I'm just like I bitch about my problems and he's like, Yeah, kid coded today. I'm like, I'm gonna shut up. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah, I don't know if I could deal with the neuroses of another writer, so, you know.
1: <laughs> oh, my God. And could you imagine if you, like, mm-hmm. got a book deal or something right. and blew up and then he's just... Oh. Yeah. yeah. So, if you want to feel... If you've recently been in the breakup, if you want to live vicariously and feel the hurt... Sometimes it's just play to, it's fun to, you know, be in that space for drama, <laughs> uh, uh, listen to Starcross. It's a great album. Yeah, and if you don't like country, give it a chance. It's not really that country. <laughs> yeah, everyone's
2: crossover these days, right?
1: Um, I mean, I think there's definitely like uh, if you handle Taylor, not even like the earliest Taylor, but if you generally like like Taylor, you'll be fine with Casey Musgraves. Okay. It is, yeah, it is not like pickup trucks and like girls in <laughs> jeans and woo. Like there's none of that. Uh, she writes very personal stories. They're pretty stripped down. It, it is funny though. The one song I really like on this album called "Simple Times." reminds me of chinese pop music i think it's the scale i i'm not a music person but i'm just like this sounds like a jay chow song <laughs> so really like that one
0: yeah to be fair jay yeah. chow did crib a lot from american r&b
1: yes that's fair <laughs> that's fair and he did have his cowboy phase he did cowboy on the run we He's remember that
0: apparently still in his magic phase
1: is oh, let's not talk about that marvin what's what's popping with you <laughs>
0: Yeah, what's popping with me is the Los Angeles Asian Pacific Film Festival, which is starting today. Um, Today is opening night at the Aratani Theater in Little Tokyo. Uh, For those of you who don't know, I am a programmer for the L.A. Asian Pacific Film Festival uh, for feature films. So I've been watching a ton of films by and about Asian Americans, Asians and Asian Americans, actually, um, because it is an international film festival. And we're excited that um, it's our first in-person film festival since COVID because we actually had to cancel our last film festival last year because it was supposed to happen in May during Asian Pacific American Heritage Month and then the whole world shut down and everything went virtual so we're excited to be back in the theaters where we are following COVID guidelines requiring vaccinations and negative COVID tests and reducing capacities in the theater so you know it's um it's our first Post-COVID. Is, are we post-COVID right now still are we still no, in the middle? No, 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 we're not. It's,
1: we're never going to be post-COVID. It's our first <laughs> festival
0: in the pandemic era, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Mm. And yeah, there's a lot of really great films. Um, tonight, we're opening with Mantanar Diverted. Uh, When Water Becomes Dust, you probably won't be able to catch this one because it's probably playing as you're listening to this podcast. But if you do see this documentary on like PBS or wherever it's going to end up screening, check it out. It's a great documentary about the Owens Valley, which for people who don't know, is the location of a lake that was important to the indigenous uh, peoples around that area. Um, But the lake was famously drained by the Los Angeles Water District um, back when the city needed more water to grow. In addition, the Owens Valley is also the location of the infamous Manzanar internment camp where many Japanese-Americans were interred during World War II. So the documentary is a memoir of this place with a very, very troubled past. But since most of our listeners probably won't be able to catch that since it's probably playing right now as you listen to this podcast, um, I want to give a couple of my picks for this opening weekend. Uh, if you're free on Friday... Our Friday feature is American-ish, which is a South Asian rom-com featuring a Pakistani family who lives in Queens. um, Two daughters and a mother who, of course, have to deal with their American tendencies with their traditional Pakistani family values. Um, It's another great South Asian rom-com that we've seen over the last few years and is playing at the Aratani Theater on Friday, September 24th at 8 p.m. And then on Saturday and Sunday, the festival moves to the L.A. Live Regal. Um, where Saturday is going to be a full lineup of narrative features. A couple interesting ones to take um, note of is I Was a Simple Man, directed by Christopher Makoto Yogi. Um, This was the um, quote-unquote Asian film from this year's Sundance Film Festival about a family based in Honolulu, Hawaii. Also stars Constance Wu, Steve Imamoto, and Tim Chu. Another one to keep an eye on is Marvelous and the Black Hole, which was a premiere at last year's Tribeca Film Festival. Um, This is a coming-of-age story starring Mia Chek, who famously played um, young Ali Wong in Always Be My Maybe, and can be seen in several YA movies over the last few years. She plays a teenage girl acting out because of her mother's passing and finds a companion in a magician played by Rhea Perlman, where she learns magic to cope with her grief. Um, it also stars Leonardo nam as Mia Chek's father. Also a notable film on Saturday is Silent River, which is the latest film by Chris Chan-Li. Um it is a sci-fi story, which is great. I always love seeing um, directors take on genre stories. Um, Chris chan Lee, of course, one of the OG Asian-American directors. Um, he was the one who directed Yellow um, decades ago at this point, uh, which is a film about Korean-American Gen X teens and one of the earliest films to feature actors like John Cho and Jason Tobin. And then on Sunday, we have a lineup of great documentary features, including a double feature of academic documentaries. We have Try Harder, which was mentioned earlier on this podcast, the story of students from Lowell High School and the pressures they're under to get into prestigious schools like Stanford and Harvard. And following that, there's also Accepted, which is the new film by Danchen and the team at Jubilee, um, which I mentioned, I think, in the earlier What's Poppin', It is similarly a documentary about high school seniors trying to get into college, um, this time about TM Landry, a school in Louisiana famous for sending low-income Black students into Ivy League schools. Um, And what starts as a feature on the school's uh, methods becomes something much more complicated once the school gets implicated in allegations of fraud and um, mental abuse. So yeah, there's a great double feature if you want to catch two stories about students you know, in their senior year struggles, um, trying to figure out how to get into the best schools.
1: To, to relift some of the traumas of your youth and young adulthood.
0: Um, one more film I wanted to bring up is Like a Rolling Stone. Um, The Life and Times of Ben Fong Torres. It's the debut feature documentary by Suzanne Jo Kai. And it's about Ben Fong Torres, um, who's best known as the original editor in charge of Rolling Stone Magazine's music coverage, known in the industry as a legendary writer and interviewer. Um, The film is a great um, bio doc about his life um, as a Chinese-American growing up in California, as one of the few people of color in the entertainment um, reporting industry, and also features a lot of really cool musicians like... Marvin Gaye, Jim Morrison, Elton John, um, Carlos Santana, both in archival and um interview form talking about their relationship with Ben Fontoris.
1: It's wild though, because like looking at pictures of him now, he just looks like my uncle. Like he looks like the shitty uncle, the one who like has like says racist stuff and like voted for like Trump. But um yeah, it's kind of wild that he was like this cool. <laughs> Like seventies rock journalists. Yeah, I mean, uh, if you look yeah.
0: at the, the archival footage and the archival pictures, like he's like wearing like those like
1: bell bottoms,
0: bell bottoms, those polyester shirts. He has the he had a mustache,
1: big glasses, dude fucks, dude fucks.
0: So yeah, tons of great films to check out. Um, The Los Angeles Asian Pacific Film Festival is running from Thursday, September 23rd and ending on Saturday, October the 2nd. Um, The closing night film on the 2nd is The Fabulous Filipino Brothers, directed by Dante Bosco.
1: And I think co-written by the Bosco brothers themselves and Ariana Grande.
0: Ariana Bosco.
1: Sorry, Ariana Grande. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Sorry, Lady B. (laughs) Uh, It's just... Oh, what is happening? It's Wednesday, my dudes. Right. Yeah.
0: So if you're in L.A., um, check it out. Again, they are following COVID procedures. So if you aren't faxed uh, and you haven't taken a COVID test in the last like, few days, um, you'll probably won't be able to get in. But for the rest of you, uh, it'll be a fun, safe time to check out some Asian American um, cinema. Oh, and also check out the shorts. I haven't, I'm I'm a features programmer, so I don't know what's going on with the shorts programs, but they're always a lot of fun. It's always, you know, shorts programs are are like the best way to kind of find your next favorite filmmaker and like kind of try to follow their, follow their careers, Um, especially people who do cool stuff.
1: It's like the equivalent, it's the film equivalent of going to a buffet. (laughs) It's like you get a little bit of everything. And if it's something like not great, you're like, well, a new one's going to start in like 10 minutes. It's fine. Yeah
0: all right so that's what's popping for this week when we come back we're talking all about the prisoners of the Ghostland, and i guess nick cage stick around
2: hi i'm quincy cho and i'm Khan apu And we host Marvel Makeup. It's a podcast where I teach Quincy a little about Marvel. And I teach Kay a little bit about makeup. Join us as we watch and talk about every movie and TV show in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which I'm mostly watching for
1: the first time. And join us as we apply makeup stuff to our faces, which I'm using for the first
2: time. Marvel Makeup is part of the Potluck Podcast Collective, and you can find new episodes every other Monday wherever you listen to podcasts. And you can catch video versions of Marvel and Makeup on our YouTube channel. So please rate, review, and subscribe. And please give us five stars so our Asian moms will understand why we buy so much electronic equipment. Because it's for this podcast, Marvel and Makeup.
0: And welcome back to the Good Pop Culture Club. On this week, we're talking all about Prisoners of the Ghostland, a 2021 American neo-noir and western action film, though not sure that accurately describes what this movie is. Um, it's directed by Japanese director Sion Sono from a script written by Aaron Hendry and Risa Cizzo Safai. The film stars Nicolas Cage as a nameless hero who is a notorious criminal and is sent to rescue the adopted granddaughter of the governor of this um, Japanese style western town. Um, who has disappeared into a dark region called the Ghostland. Um, Granddaughter, of course, is in air quotes because they're actually, I guess, the governor's sex harem. And what follows is a adventure as uh Nicolas Cage's hero ventures into this post-apocalyptic wasteland and encounters um all sorts
1: all sorts of things. Yeah, exactly. Um, you're describing this perfectly, Marvin, because it's that is what this movie is. Yeah,
0: so uh, I mean, yeah, so he's sent into the "quote unquote" ghost lands, which is just the badlands, I guess, um, to track down uh, this granddaughter slash probably not his actual granddaughter.
1: Yeah, and the ghost land seems pretty chill, all things considered. <laughs> like everyone's a little fucked up from like nuclear waste, but like overall, seems a little better functioning. Yeah. So
0: um, let's just let's. Uh, I mean, we should start by saying. Nick Cage is having a pretty good few years. He's back to his top form, right? Pre-tax troubles, pre-money trouble. Nick Cage where he was like just making films just because he can.
1: I, I don't know. Um, because he still is doing a lot of work. I don't know if he's out of the tax hole completely. I could see why someone like Nick Cage is drawn to this project and working with this director. I actually don't think Nick Cage, I think Nick Cage did what he had to do and he was very enjoyable in this film um for what it was, but my problem is not with Nick Cage <laughs> in this so, movie. So yeah,
0: watching this film, I imagine I felt the same way Jess felt after walking out of The Green Knight. <laughs>
1: I was no, like, no 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 <laughs> I respect I don't like the Green Light, but I respect the Green Knight and I I I applaud um I applaud the director of the Green Knight for doing him. Okay. <laughs> uh I am I will be, you know, transparently I am not familiar with the director Sono. He's a Japanese director who has primarily worked in Japanese cinema. I can't I have not seen anything else. Um He's made, and I don't think I will after watching <laughs> *Prisoners of Ghostland* because I'm just like, "Oh, sir, you are."
2: No, this is just not it.
0: Han, what did you what did you think of *Prisoners of the Ghostland*?
2: Oh my god! Well, this is also a classic case of yeah, you can be Asian, but also treat Asianness a, as a sl- trash
1: shit, <laughs> like,
2: <laughs> and definitely a guy who yes doesn't treat women like people um it was basically all the things that we hate about um use of Asianness in in movies so orientalism there's sexism there's just there's a lot of uh style without substance we definitely like i I was just like how are you japanese and doing this but uh (laughs) men ain't shit Han. in any country men ain't shit (laughs) right right so it was it was just fascinating i i think he tries to do um have a little bit of authorship. there is a, a a a glimmer of like i want to try to do something and make a an atmosphere or a tone of of uh sort of a post-apocalyptic slash campy um uh that maybe you might remember from like let's say mad max the original um but it's not that and that's the problem is like, I think he just tries so hard and there's definitely no story to actually back it up. Like there's very little actual character story stuff that like you can sink your teeth into. Um And and yes. and, and, and you know what? If he wanted to go full on camp, I think he didn't even get there. No, so, no. I, I
1: don't think anything he tried to accomplish,
2: he was able to
1: execute. So yeah. like, I I mean, I think... We're pretty on record as, like liking camp shit, and we mm-hmm. can appreciate when something is, bad quote unquote bad, but you know enjoyable. We can you know, we literally like spent thirty minutes talking about Meghan Markle, Harry <laughs> so lifetime good. movies, right? Um, so we under you know like I don't think and um, <laughs> violence is not you know new to us. We are mm-hmm. Americans after all, you know, and it's it's just it wasn't even shot interestingly like (laughs) technically it wasn't even interesting everything looked very cheap but in a way that it looked like no one knew what they were doing instead of like a decisive artistic direction
2: it felt like film school dude you know like yes
1: um, yes it felt like i was watching some like friend of a friend's indie at like a very second third rate regional film festival and i'm like holy shit but with a budget this
2: yeah but with nick cage Yeah, with Nick Cage in a budget, like, um, are there certain scenes that actually visually look good because it's not like grainy and video quality? Sure, but (laughs) it doesn't actually make the scene good. And there are just so many setups where I feel like they were trying so hard. Um, Also, he 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 portrays his 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 obsession with Western culture, like all the white men in this movie we're all the ones in positions of power so we get white saviorist stuff and so we got a white savior saving us from another white guy you know it's kind of like um yes the one the one vaguely interesting japanese guy in power was used by the governor like basically was his dog you know basically you know to attack people. So I was just like, what the fuck? You know, just, oh, yes. Okay.
1: And he's somehow this yeah. Japanese like body man who we somehow get more insight and character and more sympathy for this like Japanese body man than we do get for any female character. Oh, um, oh including my God. the main um the MacGuffin of the film the the woman that nicholas cage's character is tasked to bring back um oh my god i'm i don't know if, like the, if we launch into this discussion like i need a i need to like unpack it's gonna take me at least like 10 minutes to unpack so i don't know if you want to go there yet but oh my god like i mean, talk about like talk about like everything else i could almost forgive the most fucked up part is the way that he is handling the sexualization of women particularly asian women and the way that this very film commits the sins it's like in the story is trying to punish the villains for like how do you make a whole story about essentially sexual assault and like patriarchy and sexual slavery and then you know not give the women any lines um treat them like trauma porn uh you know like oh god i just i'm so <laughs> 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 uh.
0: yeah i i i was watched so i was the one who just suggested this because i was like oh nick cage is in a film that looks like he's like in a Japanese Western. That looks interesting. And then as I, in the first even five minutes, I was like, oh no, what have I done? <laughs> what have I have I'll we'll never forgive so you for with this me <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's also, I don't know if this is like one-on-one because there, there are great films made internationally. But I feel like genre films made in like Asia are kind of behind, right? They're maybe five, ten years behind both in production value and in terms of storytelling, right? Cause they're still stuck in the, the swashbuckling days of like the, you know, the Kurosawa hero coming in that and like been saving the day. Right? Yeah. <laughs> just
1: but just but like... in terms of like Asian films <laughs> and, and Asian filmmakers, like, you know, we have to be aware of that Asian Asian countries and cultures in Asia are not necessarily more advanced in their conversation, discourse and unpacking of misogyny and patriarchy. I mean, arguably Japan is even worse, you mm-hmm. know, different. I mean, not supposed to play pressure Olympics, but it's different. But definitely, patriarchy, sexism is very deeply rooted in contemporary Japanese culture. Totally. Um,
0: I mean, any any culture that stems from or Confucian capitalism. Let's be ideals. real, Confucianism yeah. and right. capitalism, right?
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, yes, I like I should not have expected any man to be able to necessarily understand how to handle that. But then I think. Well, this movie is just like a really shitty version of Mad Max, which George Miller actually did do a pretty damn good job <laughs> of a pretty feminist text, you know, considering it's a studio movie of a hundred plus million dollars globally released. I was just like, okay, he could do it, so it's not impossible. <laughs> yeah, it, it's yeah, the
0: it's examples just, right there, with? and there's also the fact that uh, this is from like a a, a, a lifetime of watching asian directors specifically probably like hong kong directors try to make american films or have try to make trying to make english films right which is the moment someone speaks english you're like oh no they didn't get an actor for this or they didn't get someone or i mean I, i don't even blame the actor like the the writing is just bad right the writing is there's a certain way that like bad dialogue just takes you out and the moment that the big bad governor opens his mouth and starts talking in that fake Ooh. KFC accent, I was trying to figure out if they were doing it on purpose or not. And it sounds like they were doing it on purpose, but it still
2: didn't. Come I mean, out well. and that was also the least of its problems. Uh, so <laughs> Yeah.
1: I was like, I'm fine with the governor. Like, I, you know, one word of his mouth, I get what we're going for, but like, like w- <laughs> I'm just i'm just like what what honestly i'm still just reeling like what did i watch like i think the first time we see an asian woman on screen her tits are just out Mm
2: -hmm. like
1: her tits are just out um you know the most uh the the asian woman with the most lines is Susie, who just like screams and is like so like the the portrayal of trauma is so offensive as if like the only responses mm-hmm. to trauma yeah. for women who face violence, specifically sexual violence, is like utter catatonic like disin like dissociating or like screaming. Or I'm like, yo, you know, like probably every woman you've ever met has experienced some form of sexual violence and we function just fine and we get on and we do shit and we're still like chugging along and we're just still people. I'm just like, it's just so and I'm so mad he did that to Sophia Butella. Who is mm-hmm. a fantastic? I love her. Yeah. She's a fantastic action star, and she's not like at least Nicolas Cage is given crazy shit to do. Like she's not even given crazy shit to do. She just cowers, catatonically, yeah, and then like over- co- overcomes it to like shoot. I'm just, mm.
0: yeah. It's 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 a film that has moments. <laughs> But the whole is just doesn't add. I mean, even like the the opening scene in that bank with like all the colorful mm-hmm. raincoats and Oh, like and the
1: kid. That bank robbery. Oh the kid like. that gets iced. In yeah. Like and the then when first, Nick Cage. Or I don't know what you call it. I call it ice because of Mortal Kombat. You know, the first mm-hmm. minutes the kid gets killed. I guess what do we call this? It's not fridging if it's a kid. Yeah. What do you call it? He's gumballed. It's still fridging,
0: yeah. I think. <laughs> and then Nick Cage comes in and it's automatically like turn it to 11 Nick Cage, right? He's. Like I, I took a note. I took like five notes on this entire movie, and one. Of the first one is Nick Cage already screaming. Yeah.
1: Again, I think honestly the Nick Cage of it all was the least problematic portion. Yeah, both yeah. In artistic, technical, <laughs> he, or like just pure offensiveness
2: skill, like Nicolas Cage did what he had to do. Yeah, he he did what he was hired for, and he did it well because he given did. yeah, give it like look. Is there any reason to wear? You know, uh, basically a motorcycle outfit because he—that's what he does. He he rides motorcycles. You know, they they figure out a way to have like basically this is like chastity belt on him um, and an anti Asian uh, anti woman <laughs> violence. You know, like bomb It's totally ridiculous. <laughs> totally fine.
0: I mean, they 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 start with just you know showing oh, the off his butt? Bod, I did yeah. not need is, to see his hairy moment. butt,
1: but like fine, <laughs> yeah. whatever. We're there. I. I...
0: I will no. I will say this: this film has mixed, leaning positive reviews, which I think it's kind of wild, and I think it's because there's two reasons for it. One is it's Nick Cage being like the amped up Nick Cage um, that people think he is because from all the memes, right? And number two, it's because there's a specific scene where. One of his balls gets blown yeah, off. We
2: might as well That do was fine. Yeah, that was that was totally fine, and that's not even right. Because yeah.
0: okay, we, we didn't mention. Yeah, they they like add said, this the like um belt. kind of escape from L.A. escape from New York twist to it, where it's they fit him with a leather outfit fitted with bombs on his neck, his arms, and his balls, and if he doesn't bring the girl back within a certain amount of time he'll blow up and if he like in touches her and then you it'll way. blow up his and balls and if he tries to do violence yeah.
2: to a woman then one of his arms gets blown off so it's it's basically kind of like a chastity belt for v- various things on his body <laughs> um which is just like wild which
0: conceptually is there, there, right, right. there could have Again, been not there, the but issue but
2: uh, like i am totally fine with that level of s- stupid you know sort of like weird post-apocalypticness you know (laughs) like we you know battle royale had people wearing a collar that if they like left a certain area or if they didn't move fast enough it would kill them so like i'm fine with that sort of like elevated like ridiculousness of sci-fi but it was just all the stuff that went around it what i think is interesting is like you mentioned um that uh, there are quite a few positive reviews. Uh, I just checked uh, Tomato Meter, sixty four percent positive. Um, and then here's the funny thing: usually the audience is way more forgiving. Thirty seven percent negative. So they, even the audience, is like, "This is crap." So <laughs> um, it's.
0: Do you think it's because because this film did premiere at Sundance, and so I think is. There's like this halo effect where if a film is at a major film festival and it's done by an Artur, you you're kind of looking for reasons to I don't see like any the of film, the actual
2: right? movie critics that I actually like or respect um giving it a positive review. I don't know who they've been giving it to, maybe a lot of genre sites and things like that, but like these are not people I necessarily would agree with. Um and so, yeah, you always have to kind of see who's giving the positive review. That doesn't mean the bigger sites are always right. I often disagree with some of the bigger critics um, because they're usually white men. But um, in this case, definitely, I think these people are, I think, wowed by the style, which like I was saying, their style without substance. And um, a lot of people say this is going to be a cult yeah. classic and whatever. Ugh.
1: <laughs> I would say it's not even it's it's
2: style without substance <laughs> and like
1: harmful depictions of things that I, you know, I think everyone has their own, like, line in the sand of what they can stomach and not stomach. I do not give a fuck about excessive violence. I do not give a fuck about, you know, like, ice any kids you want. I would probably still, like, be Team Anakin even after he carried out Executive Order 66. You know, like, you know, everyone got their own line in the sand. And I'll be very transparent. My line in the sand is just, like, wow, to handle something like Uh, Yeah, like the whole like sexual abuse of women so crassly, like not even smart, like just not even it's not even smart. Like, that's the thing. It's not even smart. You can do a lot of things. You can do a lot of violent things. (laughs) I don't even think honestly, like, like some sexual violence stuff is off the table. um, If you understand what you're doing and why you're doing it. And I'm just like, homie, you just like from start to finish, like, And you Japanese, why are you making all the Japanese people, like, props and, like, just giggling in the background like do you know like what western white people think of asian
2: people in the yeah. first place Th- they're <laughs> like why would you do that i mean they
0: don't even give the white two good lines nick cage literally says i will karate chop yeah, they're you they're literally
2: treating asian people like <laughs> subpar humans to the point where there are people like in the ghost land who's like a guy named rat man or something or a rat catcher or yeah yeah and then it's like they're subhuman it's it's and, bizarre yeah. and and they don't even get like
1: even i could even like understand if like it was the context of like okay this terrible white governor villain man is like has constructed such a fake um world that he makes all these people act like that because that's what he wants because he's obviously trying to emulate this like like sexual white man fantasy of what the orient is but like he doesn't even do
2: that. Like I just made a smarter artistic decision yeah. than this man. <laughs> I, I will also note that Nick Cage, uh, his last three wives have been Asian. All
1: Asian. Yeah. yeah. Oh, he got a definite fetish. Yeah.
2: So like he definitely wouldn't have seen that um, in in here. So
1: no, didn't this didn't this whole setup, the whole film, just seem like a like. 13-year-old white boy who's obsessed with, like, anime and, like, samurai movies and West, even, like, maybe younger than 13. Like, this is, like, just, like, his, like, very, like, base
2: ego-like story ideas. Seriously. Yeah. I don't... I kind of, like, this, yeah. this director is just puzzling me.
1: Yeah. And I think it's so lame because, like, you know, pe- filmmakers who even do this vein of, like, um... You know, I, I would put Quentin Tarantino on this camp, like, very, like, very violent, very, like, sexual, just, like, that style, Um, whenever it's, like, in a masculine, masculine style or things that are traditionally seen as masculine or, like, wow, that's so, like, it's genre, it's, like, alter or whatever, but, you know, if, you know, you wanted someone to create, like, the like feminine equivalent of like a 12 year old dreamscape with like fairies and princes and glitter and unicorn. You'll be like, Oh, this is trash. Like, this is cheesy. Like people will rag on Barbie movies. I'm like, Barbie movies are great. <laughs> so I'm just like, Oh my God. Why? 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 Who gave this man money to do this?
2: Uh I'm reading about his first yeah. film and it and like yeah, no. <laughs>
1: no, not any better.
2: Well, it looks like it was received <laughs> he's he's seen as super subversive. It was a four-hour movie about wh- how he had joined a cult when he was younger. Um, but it also includes a lot of uh themes inc- and about sex, lust, and religion of family, and includes upskirt photography. So No, I, fuck that guy. Yeah. No,
1: fuck that. that's
2: I mean, so I think up. I think that's the point of the movie. But at the same time, I think he, people basically gave him a black ch- blank check after that. So um, I think they were taken in and thought he was being super smart about being subversive. Um, and no.
0: <laughs> There's something to be said about sub- subversion. You but- have
2: to... No. Yeah, no, it you wasn't. You have to subvert what's in power. Yep. Like it's it's like when you tell jokes
1: and comedy. Like I, I truly don't think punch up you you can you I think you can talk about anything in comedy. I think you can make a joke about anything. But the general rules you have to punch up, right? Yeah. It's the same thing with like being quote subversive. Like if you are being subversive, but like damaging and like defranchising and oppressing like communities with less power than you, you're not doing shit. And then you, if you're actively doing harm with like fucking upskirt shit or like that like that's just that's just fucking sexual assault
0: yeah i mean we mentioned it before but like subversive would be like mad max being not the main character in his own movie yeah the the closest
2: the closest to subversive we got was having nick cage's ball get blown off um that was probably the best moment Um, that was a good moment yeah yes because it was you know i was i I remember when he was outfitted with the thing i was just like are they gonna go there and they did oh
0: it was chekhov's ball bomb yes. bomb, yes
2: yes so, you know, but I could definitely see some people like getting close, but not going all the way. So I was just like, you know what? Good. I give you credit for that. But um, very little else. <laughs> so.
0: I will say for a nor action film, the action
2: Man. was,
0: it was no, okay. It was
2: unmemor- no, the action was bad. Unmemorable. Unmemorable. <laughs>
0: Nick Cage definitely did his own stunts because he definitely was pulling some Steven Seagal moves here and there. He did have a katana arm,
1: which I guess was
0: okay. I don't know. No,
1: just wild.
0: The henchman was a much better. I think he is a stuntman
1: mm-hmm. um, by trade. And I just, I'm just, why? Why? Why did I spend an hour and 45 minutes of my life watching this movie? Why did people give him money? Why did. uh? I understand why Nick Cage wants to do this shit, but like, why? Why?
0: So after finishing this film, I was like, you know, Amazon Prime's trying to serve me pig. I guess I'll make it a Nick Cage double feature. And so I actually ended my viewing section with a decent movie, a pretty decent Nick Cage movie because pig is
2: pretty good. I heard great things about pig. It sort of also pokes at the, uh, the Portland food scene um it it's pretty smart yeah. it has themes about like grief and letting go that is a lot deeper than you would expect it is not bacon uh, i mean it's not taken with bacon um bacon. As, as some people say because this is about a guy <laughs> who's uh whose truffle snor- uh, yeah. sniffing pig is stolen um which is enough for me to watch yeah. it
0: yeah it's not john wick but a pig, it's more... Um, I mean, he does get pulled back to his old, like... Um, he gets get, does get pulled back to his old haunts. But it's more... It's it's. It was good to remind me that inside that Amped Up meme, Nick Cage, there's still a very solid actor in there. Because Nick Cage, when he wants to be, can be a really good actor. When he's given, like, something... When he's... Like, I feel like he's, like, one of those actors who... Fits the film, yeah. right? He can he can play whatever he can be whatever the film needs him I to be. I don't think
1: Nick. Cle- I don't think Nick Cage's performance is ever bad. I mean, he's always a good time. Let's be real. Um, No matter what movie he's doing. So again, I Nick Cage is a fine actor, probably one of the most interesting actors. It's.
0: I mean, Jess, you, you, you went on yeah, an extreme Bender loved, during. I love COVID. all of
1: them, <laughs> and the difference between those movies is like they were. I mean, like at that point, I'd rather just have you not to do a really good. Do what you set out to do really well and like not give fucks about um nuance in that way, right? Like like the, the rock or face off, face-off is an utterly ridiculous premise. There's 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 no way that like anyone but like face off for all its like ridiculousness, like actually is I don't recall it being necessarily like Offensive or anything like that. Like it stays in its lane. It does what it does really well. It gives us what we want. John Wu does a great job. We get the shootouts. Like it's it's campy, but it's well executed. Like it's a good time. Prisoners of Ghostland, not a good time. <laughs> it
0: was rough. All right. So um, final verdict is oh. the Prisoners of Ghostland
1: good pop? <laughs> no, we don't need this.
2: Yeah, I absolutely 100%. It's bad pop. (laughs) It's not even pop.
0: Yeah, I feel like I have to take responsibility for suggesting this film. Our first probably clunker of the entire (laughs) lifetime of this of this podcast. Um, I'd say if if you want to watch a Nick Cage movie, Pig is probably a better choice. If you want to watch like the Nick Cage that's been turned to 11, watch The Rock Face off
1: watch face off. Watch watch any face of his like yeah, yeah late nineties,
0: early two thousands work. Even watch Ghostwriter. He's probably better that's probably a probably a better movie.
1: Yeah. I, I would I would, or Con Air. Con Air's fabulous. He does a weird southern accent
2: thing. People all of the big budget um, stuff is good because it, it it had to be bland enough for general audiences. Uh so but but big budget enough to give you action. So you know it's it's gonna be fun. I did
0: almost forget that Nick Cage is a Marvel superhero. I hope they bring him back to MCU. Is Ghostwriter. Ghost Rider?
2: Ghost Rider. Ghost Rider. Oh, I thought we don't talk about that. <laughs> uh,
0: all right. Um, Prisoners of the Ghostland is available to rent on VOD. But um, like I said, you should probably go watch Pig. Um, Just get Pig. Yeah. Jess Han, thank you for putting up with this week's Culture Club pick. If people want to find out more of your thoughts, where can they go?
1: All my trash takes are on Twitter at Just Tweets.
2: And I am
0: at Anonymous. You can find me at Marvin. Yeah, You can follow our show at Good Pop Club. We are a proud member of the Potluck Podcast Collective. Check out our fellow Asian American hosted podcasts uh, by going to the website podcastpotluck.com. And yeah, that'll do it for this episode of Good Pop. Uh, we'll be back next week for our monthly news roundup. Do we want this? But until then, um, keep watching that Good Pop. See you later, guys.
2: Bye. Bye. gets a little crazy sometimes. Sometimes it's confusing, sometimes it's funny, sometimes it's beautiful, and sometimes it can just piss us off. Enter First of All Podcast. It's a safe space for real conversations about the things that we all struggle with, celebrate, contemplate, and work through in our daily lives. I'm your host, Mindy Chang. I'm an actor, filmmaker, and entrepreneur with a colorful background, full life, and brilliant friends who I love to unpack life with to share with all of you. They are everyday people like you and me, ranging from award-winning artists, cultural icons, powerful CEOs, my hilarious childhood friends, and even my mom. Tune in for honest conversations on mental health, dating, sex, family, career, culture, and everything in between. Listen to, first of all, wherever you find podcasts, part of the Potluck Podcast Collective.